0: This week, denies, denies, and more denies from the Trump administration and the president himself on the content from Jeffrey Goldberg's article on the Atlantic. Plus, coronavirus has been impacting the US on every perspective, such as economy, education, travel, and more. As we enter another holiday weekend, there are more disturbing predictions from experts warning the worst is yet to come. Hello everyone, I am Justin Chen, and I want to welcome our listeners joining me from the U.S. and all around the world. This is Weekly Summarize. And before I start today's show, I want to introduce you my guest host today, Mike Templeton. So Mike studies at Curry College in Milton, Massachusetts. Hello, Mike. How are you doing?
1: Hello, Justin. How are you? I'm so glad to be on the show today, um, and really excited to dive into these topics um, and uh
0: so as you know, Mike and I used to host a podcast c- together back when we were in high school together. So that's basically like an interview show, and which is totally different, the focus on campus life, than what we are doing this right now, right?
1: Exactly. Yes, that is exactly right. This is, from what I understand, this podcast is a much different approach, um, but it's... Um, it's very exciting, mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, offers offers a, an angle of journalism from the uh, of focusing on current, current events. Yes. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So,
0: Mike, are you ready to start the first segment?
1: Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's let's get going.
0: All right. So, first segment that we're going to talk about, as you know, is the Atlantic the Atlantic article that was written by. Jeffrey Goldberg. So the Atlantic published a very controversial article earlier this week regarding President Trump's unprofessional rhetoric and action. To to help our listeners understand what this article really about, it basically called out Trump opinion on the you know, the 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 soldier who has sacrificed himself fighting not only in Afghanistan but also in Vietnam, World War One, World War Two and his lack of knowledge on the countries and the world history so mm. trump, uh sorry I call you trump so mike you have you have read this article which yeah. which is which is really shocking that he basically just saying calling colonial soldiers who got captured? For for example, John McCain. He calling them right. losers. He calling them suckers. Which is right. It's really mind numbing.
1: Mm, it's it's mind numbing, and it's actually, you know, for even for Trump, as low as he has gone in these last three years, it's it's shocking, even for Trump to say to make a claim of of of, of like that, um, given his respect or you know he ran his campaign on respect for military families and there were a lot of military families who supported him in 2016 and still continue to support him because he the, the, the make him, his campaign is one of the major ideologies of that campaign is military first yeah um, and you know self-defense first so for him to come out and say that the uh, those who have died in wars, or who have you know, sacrificed their lives and, you know, have given up their chance at being, you know, fathers and grandfathers and um, living these full lives and have died. It's just, um, it's just it's appalling. And it's almost, it's very difficult to understand. Um, I mean, and again, there are a lot of things that are about his this administration that are difficult to understand, but this hits on a very different, almost personal level. Yeah. Because you're looking at, these U.S. men and women who have, you know, who have made that sacrifice, particularly, now, well, I think of Iraq, I think of Afghanistan, but I think of Vietnam, you know, you think of these young guys, you know, 16, 18, um, who were forced to to, to to go over to, you know, Southeast Asia and, and, and fight in an unknown territory, and in a lot of cases, those guys died. Um, and just a massive number of casualties and talk about a sacrifice. And then for a president to say, a president to say that these same, that those, those people, those people, cause they die are losers. is just, it's just unsathomable. I can't really under understand it. I mean, um, what I would say is, you know, if there's any possible explanation, uh, I mean, it's, it's really, um, I mean, I, I, I don't even I don't even know how to explain it. That that's the part about this. Just really, it's really difficult because you don't know how to. You can't justify it, and you don't know begin begin to understand why he would make claims like this. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know and that?
0: yeah, exactly. And I want to dive into the article right now, like word <laughs> sure. by not like word by words, but I highlighted some of the thing that he yes. said that I I just I. I just don't think it's what the president the commander in chief supposed to do.
1: Mm-hmm. So first
0: mm-hmm. uh I want to I want to go to um Trump on his on yes. his on his thinking about George W Bush. So yes. Trump refer so according to the article so Trump said former president George H W Bush yes. he called him loser and then for being shot down by the Japanese as a Navy pilot mm-hmm. in World War II. And keep in mind, the article mentioned Bush was successfully escaped, obviously, because he was the president. But eight other mm-hmm. men who were in the same mission with him, they were caught, mm-hmm. they were tortured, they were, they were killed by the Japanese. Yeah and Trump refers to him as loser where Trump himself didn't even fight for the uh, didn't even fight for the country didn't even join the army so this right. is something really irony when he called out a veteran mm-hmm. who sacrificed himself so much for the country and then now he said said him losers right that's right. just that i just yeah. I, I just just
1: to
0: be yeah go ahead uh so i think he really doesn't understand the purpose of white people joining the military, mm-hmm. right?
1: Right. I mean, this is, again, this is this is a guy, um, a commander-in-chief, if you want to call him that, who has never, never understood what it means to serve other people, or what it means to serve anything other than something that's so much greater than you know, himself, you know, um, I'm actually reading right now um, his niece's book, uh, Mary L. Trump's book, uh, Too Much and Never Enough, mm-hmm. i recommended it to our listeners. But um, in one of the aspects of uh, one of the parts of that book, you know, one of the, I guess you could call it the thesis statement of that book is, you know, this is a guy who's very incapable on all levels of producing any form of emotion or feeling any emotion for
0: really anything.
1: And he is incapable of, you know, uh, showing respect, showing dignity, yeah. because, um, you know, he was he was brought up. He had everything handed to him. He never he no- knows what it means. He has no idea what it means to work for anything, mm-hmm. or to understand what it, what you know that you know what it means to serve, which is hard work. You know, it's it's hard. It's a very hard sacrifice, and it's a lot of endurance. And he he's never known any of that yeah it's never been in his world and that's how he was brought up he was brought up by a father who wasn't capable of accepting any emotion that he might have shown as a child yeah so yeah and i never had i never had any emotion there was never um he's never allowed to express that yeah and um i think that is a lot of the underlying Currents behind mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff is, you know, if if you're raised to be emotionless and to not, you know, produce and and feel normal things and and cry and laugh and, you know, if those feelings are not accepted from a very young age, it's going to cause severe psychological damage. Now, obviously, the veteran comments. You know, I think these are just things, uh, attention gaps. You know, that the he will he'll, he'll put on just to make sure. You know, who knows that you know, people are listening? That people, you know, don't you know that, that people don't forget who this guy is, or you know, forget that you know that Trump's the president. It draw the attention back to himself. Yeah, you know, it, it's Mike. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so
0: so you did mention Mary Trump's book. So, which, I think there's, because I have been reading it, and then there's a part of a a segment of the book that that proves Trump doesn't like the military. It's in chapter 11. I'm going to read this part out. So, Mary Trump said, when... We pointed out, uh, this is her exact quote from the book. Yeah. She said, "When we pointed out that our cousins would still benefit from what their parents were getting from, my grandfather, Rob said Rob, Trump, Donald Trump's brother said any of them could be disowned at any time. That really tells the family dynamic of how how toxic it is. And I keep, I wanna keep, I want to keep reading it. Donny was sure. going to join the army of some, the the word uh, the book says BS like that. And Donald Trump right. and Ivana, which is uh, Donald Trump's ex-wife, told him, right. told Donny, told Donald Trump Jr. Donnie Donny here means, yes. If he did, if he did went to the go join the army, army, date disowned him, in a second. Mm. This really tells that Donald Trump doesn't like the military. Even his son wants to join the military, he doesn't want him. He disown him. So this right. really right. tells Donald Trump doesn't like the army. It proves itself. I mean, Absolutely. even though Donald Trump keeps denying saying calling Mary Trump's crazy, but really when this when this part of the book comes out and then with and then when you read the atlantic article it, everything just adds up now really right yeah everything
1: makes sense and i think that um the idea in the trump family dynamic again of service of again like we said earlier serving your country and making that ultimate sacrifice that's just not part of that family dynamic it's, it's not it, yeah growing my growing your internally and you know capitalistic success and you know if one of the trump sons you know in fred trump's view if one of the sons went off to war you know that would be time and money wasted mm-hmm. because that's time that they could use you know to put one of his sons to work to work for the empire to grow their empire grow their family like that's the the business the family business was the only view which fred Saw for his children, for his wife, you know, he had no. He was un, rendered completely incapable again of, of seeing any other world. So when you have a patriarch such as that, you know, such a toxic ideology such as that, you know, that will really set a tone. Mm-hmm. And I think this exactly the, the the connection between the Atlantic article and the Trump family. It's very transparent. And I think um, I don't know what his feelings are on people who are serving in a war, because obviously, you know, this article says Trump, Americans who died in war are losers and suckers. Now, military families, it's unclear as to what his views are there, but um, I can't imagine there are anything <laughs> um, admirable. But um, yeah, so you were mentioning Bush. Um, and you were mentioning, um, Don jr. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyways, I'll, I'll give it back to you, but
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, still want to uh, quote from the article. <laughs> sure. So sure. in this part where he talks <laughs> about John Kelly. Oh no no! Is it John Kelly's son, Robert Kelly? So Mm, this this paragraph basically saying in on Memorial Memorial Day, two thousand seventeen, Trump and John Kelly visited Arlington National Cemetery, and they eventually visit the Section sixty, which is a land which is a cemetery that is buried you know, those soldiers who were killed. And right. Rob, uh, Robert Kelly, who is John Kelly's son, was buried there. And tr- and he got killed, obviously, in Afghanistan in 2010. Uh, He was very young, he was like 29 years old, right? And then
1: right.
0: Trump standing there in front of Robert Kelly's grave, right. this is the right. exact quote, turned directly to his father and said, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. What was it for them? But keep in mind, the purpose of Trump visiting Section 60 is to comfort those Blue Star parents who lost their kids right. at the battleground. He said yes. this, which is quite, doing quite the opposite to those parents, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, it only... It only um well yeah if there's anything that blue star families want to hear and you look at you know the example during his campaign of uh, the Khan family same kind of thing um but that's i mean obviously but about the kelly family here um yeah and i think and there's a key part of that article which uh you know below the highlighted part but it's it's just i just pointed but i just noticed it here um you know um People close to him said that Trump was making a ham handed reference to the selflessness of America's all volunteer force. But later he came to realize that Trump simply does not understand non transactional life choices. And that is exactly something that goes almost parallel with um, Mary Trump's point, which is, you know, anything that you, again, you sacrifice yourself for, which is what would be selflessness you sacrifice your time, you sacrifice your money, you sacrifice your gain for a cause like a war, America's all volunteer force. To him, that doesn't make sense because, again, he has never seen the antithesis of, you know, trying to build yourself and trying to build your empire and and, and, and obviously in doing things that are inherently, um, risky and dangerous yeah. because, you know, it's just, it's just not in his psychology. And I think that is the understanding that at least I'm comfortable with, because that's the only possible explanation. Um, I think that it's not in the family code of, it's not in the family code, like we said. And, um, for, and it makes perfect sense that he would make a comment like, "What, what, what was in it for them?" He doesn't see the purpose. Yeah. Because you're going off for a long time, and you're fighting an enemy, obviously, and and you know, and a lot of people, you know, as someone like Trump is it makes total sense that he would say something like, like "Well, what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. If you're just going to get killed, or what's the point of that if?" You're going to have severe psychological damage. But no, the point is, is you know, you are taking on a risk for your country, not for yourself. It's not about you. It's yep. for, you know, it's, it's for the sanity and the security of your country. And I think it's just a matter, um, you know, to kind of make sense of these comments and the kind of the thesis of this article is... He just doesn't understand the concept, the psychological concept of selflessness and sacrifice.
0: Yeah, and I, and I really, I, and I want to point out uh, Jeffrey Goldberg wrote in this article sure. saying that <laughs> Trump, unlike previous presidents, tend to believe that the military, like other department of the federal government, is beholden only to him and not a constitution. I think this is really true. When you see Trump sending out federal troops saying, yeah, if we need, we demand law and order, we are sending out the federal troops to Portland. We're sending out the federal troops to Minneapolis. We're sending out uh, federal troops to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, there are some looting, there are some violent protests going on, but largely it's peaceful. And then he sent the federal government there because he simply because those protests simply just makes him look very bad. And keep in mind, this year is right. the election year and yes. and he has been facing a lot of problems already on the coronavirus, on pro- police brutalities, so he wants the voters to. Or or everyone in the U.S. to say, oh, now we ha- we actually have a good countries. so he sent out federal troops to violently, uh, to violently attacking those peaceful protesters. So yeah, he uh, remember that interview he did with Laura Ingram, uh, from Fox News. Yeah. He, he just he basically just telling everything is uh, he just make, basically makes up so many conspiracy theories. That makes him look good. Even Laura Ingram, keep in mind, a long, a long Trump supporter, endorsed Trump at her show. Every basically every show is calling out. It's a cons- it sounds like a conspiracy theories when Trump was saying a load loads of people flying to Kenosha, Wisconsin, flying to Portland right now to to uh, he called it uh, He said those people are Antifa and wear like a, a black shirts and. that stuff even laura ingram called him that that's that sounds like a conspiracy theories so uh so right now yeah you know we all know this year is election year like this article why is this service now it's quite interesting to service uh, to like this letting this article and you know tons of books are servicing right now we have uh this week we have three books. One is actually from Michael Cohen, which is um, uh, Trump's uh, attorney, uh, ex-attorney, which uh, got into jail and then now out, and uh, he's mm-hmm. writing a book which is uh, exposing Trump administration, uh, Trump's manner, and then basically everything uh, when he is a president. So Trump is definitely worried right now in addition to yes. Mary Trump's book. So, yeah. f- for the election, so we see the RNC, which is kind of interesting because sure. basically, it's just condemning Joe Biden and his, and, and his administrations. And then, I do want to point out what Ivanka Trump said about Donald Trump. So, he's she said Donald Trump did not come to Washington to win praise from from uh, from Beltway Elite. He came to Washington to make America great again, but honestly right now America is not good. It it's really not right. on on every perspective. And um Absolutely. and you know Ivanka so I want to I want to mention the sl- the I don't the slogan the the slogan for Trump in 2016 is keep America great keep America great and his slogan for this year is make America great again so he's uh, so his slogan his a uh, mission is to keep America great and he's still using the same one and then adding again Basically, Basically, here he calls out what his administration has been doing for the past three years. They are not doing what they are doing. Make America great again. Honest, honestly, starting from the coronavirus pandemic, when a lot of people are dying right now, almost one hundred and ninety thousand people are died, and yeah, which is really concerning right now. So, and then everything about Donald Trump is servicing right now, which is mm-hmm. Trump is worried, and the polls are yes. showing that he's down on every yes. on, on every place and on every place. So really, he he he's worried, and now he comes out and denies all of that. So I remember uh, on Thursday or Friday, Trump was saying oh and oh I do want to mention John, John Bolton's book that is basically right. Trump is worried that his allegation towards Russia so uh, Russian so he is worried that he is not gonna be re-elected again but what he has done here is actually pushing away from him from becoming re-elected. I feel like at this point he should just come out and apologize. To the people that he has offended before, instead of really? denying it, because sometimes people prefer apologies more than denying, because right. because we know we have proofs now, and then in and then Trump was actually so this report from Atlantic I don't want to mention has been confirmed by media's. CNN confirmed it, MSNBC confirmed it, even Fox News. So, so, Trump was basically tweeting, saying the reporter from Fox News, Jennifer Griffin, will confirm the report, fired. So, Mm. that's interesting here.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Because, uh, because he basically, he wants to dominate the media saying right. oh well there are some you know uh bad news uh there are some not of very healthy healthy and you know um i don't know like an healthy news that can support his campaign and you know as as labor day's weekend is this week it it is like um it is like a final stretch for November elections aware sure and then at this times everything's come up he he I want to go back to the point that he's afraid yeah. right now he right. the right. only thing that he can do is deny but mm-hmm. is it the best way to deny what happened right now when every perspective every media's in the US has confirmed this report probably not right yeah so um, mm-hmm. so what's I, your take um, go
1: ahead what what,
0: what's your take?
1: Well, on John so on, on John Bolton, right.
0: Yeah. No, on everything yeah. right now. On everything I mean, right now, okay. the um, denies, the everything.
1: Right, 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 right. So, obviously, yes. So, um Trump um is obviously has lied more than any other political figure, I think, in at least modern history. I mean, I've never heard of a of a of a president who I mean, just Uses lying as something that you know it's such a routine aspect of um, of an of running a, of an administration. I've never I've never heard of that, and that was a foreign concept to me. Um, and but now it's almost become so normal um, to have such a dishonest um, uh, you know excuse for a president. And I think um, again, it's actually good timing. We're doing this interview right as I'm pretty much in the middle of um, Mary, Mary Trump's book, Dr. Trump's book, Um, and essentially, um, and I think this could provide explanation for a lot of these behaviors of his, Um, you know, this is a guy again, who can't admit weakness, he can never admit failure or weakness. So that might be one, obviously one possible explanation for why he, he lies. Um, because he can never accept the truth that people, um, you know, uh, uh, reveal about who he actually is. And whether this is a guy who knows that he's a total failure, or um, I think he does know that, um, obviously, he's made some mistakes, but this is a guy who could never admit that and never accept that. So... You know he lies he you know embellishes the truth he will make these outrageous claims um like what, what these quotes that we're seeing in the article um to I think hide the truth of the matter which is that he's you know the, the hide the truth that you know the of the fraud that he is mm-hmm. as, as a person yes and I think he knows that there are many other people whether they these veterans or you know his predecessors in politics, who um, are clearly much more capable of, um, you know, of, of, of the presidency of um, serving your country, all these noble things. And I think you know his him and his administration will never accept. Um, and this is why he has such a problem with the press is you know, what the press does is they in freedom of speech the first amendment you know um but the press is you know is rooted in free speech obviously and the press wouldn't exist without the first amendment anyways um they call him out they're not afraid to call him out on both sides you look at you know fox news and chris Wallace's interview of him in july that was a you know obviously fox is a very right right wing news organization and cnn msnbc they're obviously are much more critical Mm-hmm. and much more uh, in his opposition. So I think that, you know, you see him disparage the media. You see him, you know, uh, again, make claims these uh, such as this. And, um, you know, you understand that um, because of who he is, um, he can never, you know, be on good terms with the free press, the media, because, um, y- y- you know, they... They, they call him out like they would any president for mistakes that he has made or that he's making or he, he made in the past, made in the present. And um, I don't think we'll ever see a Donald Trump who um, respects the media and who respects people, whether they be the media or just other politicians, who admit his flaws because he can never see flaws. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Trump, that what his niece says in, in the book. You know this and this is not just you know a crazy relative this is a psychology this is from a psycholo- A psychologist's perspective a doctor's perspective um based on family circumstances you know um it's that everything is great in that view like this idea everything is great everything is good and nothing is problematic and if there is a problem we sweep it under the rug. We, we don't acknowledge it. We'll never acknowledge problem. We'll never acknowledge failure. Yes. So that that's I mean, that's that's a critical part of this. And it all relates back to his character. And he never was given the opportunity to I mean, not to excuse him for these awful comments, but, you know, he was never given the opportunity to be noble, to um, show strong character um, because that was just never part of the normal for him growing up mm-hmm. so that's important to consider and that's my take on a lot of this, this stuff just yeah because i so have to be reading the book
0: yeah i know exactly and i want to mention that donald trump basically criticizing the press but really the press is to is not president's friends they are not right. we are not quite frankly because we are here to expose, right? That's always and been tell the idea of the press. Yeah, and tell people the truth of what is right. actually happening instead of helping uh, helping president to promote his own propaganda. Because that's not right. what we're doing, at least not right. in the U.S. So yeah, exactly. yeah, that's all right. Uh, we're gonna take a break now. And after the break, we're going to discuss the coronavirus situation, rather critical situation in the U.S. Stay with us. Welcome back to Weekly Summarize. I'm Justin Chen. And once again, I want to welcome my listeners joining me around the world and from the U.S. So, we know coronavirus has killed nearly 190,000 people in the U.S. And quite frankly, as we are entering another holiday weekend, experts warn that there could be another resurgence in the country after the Labor Day's weekend. This comes as the U.S. is plateauing at 40,000 confirmed cases daily, which is better than what it was back in the last holiday weekend. Where the peak is nearly 78,000 cases. However, the number is still too high. As schools are reopening across the country before or after Labor Day's weekend, there are more than 33,000 students from colleges across all 50 states tested positive on coronavirus. So, what does this mean for those who are getting back to school? So, I know, Mike, you're going back to school. And my schools are in a hybrid. Uh are are you in a hybrid uh you know, format? Model, model. Yeah. yeah. So uh what's schools like for you?
1: Right. So great question. Um yeah, so um I on August tenth I uh began uh my time my uh first year at Curry College in Milton, Mass and um they've been exceptional with um handling the virus and treating it as a very real thing. And I am um, tested once a week, and I'm expected to wear a mask on campus at all times, except when, of course, I'm in my room. Um, and um, there's a lot of social distancing um, in in in, in, um, in our life there. Um, you know, there's uh, contact tracing, and um, there are no gatherings under eight people. Um, oh, sorry, over eight people that are in person and um, for my classes are in very much in a hybrid model. Um, I would say most of them are socially distanced in person, but there are those few classes um, where one, you know, that meet three times a week and one of those days I'm online and one of those days I'm in person and the other day I'm completely online and just don't go to class or, you know, the class is delivered in a remote format.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, I've noticed a lot of, um, you know, things that, again, wouldn't normally exist, had you know, if things were, were normal. So administration is taking this seriously. And I think, and as I said on the break, we have, um, but to our listeners and Curry College specifically, we have four positive cases as of right now and over almost 3,000 um, negative. Cases um, of, of the virus. So that means that students and faculty and administrators are taking this seriously and they are um, definitely following all the precautions by um, uh, created by the CDC and that the college enforces. And um, I think we're going to um, have no problems, as of right now, my prediction, have no problems staying. Um, on campus through uh, November uh, The Thanksgiving break So I'm yeah excited about that
0: and uh, yeah, exactly and then um, I do want to mention yeah uh, again, obviously, it's a true fact that we are mm. We're in a pandemic right now and then um, yes. to Leave Boston to leave the Northeast because the number is significantly being controlled. And I do want to mention that um, New York City has a less than 1% positive rate on testing for 27 (laughs) consecutive days. That is a good progress, given the fact that New York was the first epic center when, uh, back in April, when the country was suffer really the most, and that is the most unprecedented time, right, back in April. So now the Epic Center swift uh, so switched to um to the Midwest, where Iowa Iowa is basically has the positive rate that is like more than twenty percent. Also the Dakotas are in are in pretty bad, you know, conditions. And then Montana and then Wyoming's all the way down to Kansas those places are very worrying and i do want to mm-hmm. read you some number here mike uh, to give you some something that we are very con- that i am concerned uh, luckily i'm not in the us right now but but reading this number concerns me if there's no vaccines come out not effective Correct. vaccines come out hope i you know right now i do wish i hope like what the president said, there could be a vaccine to come out before Election Day. I, I mean, wish that could happen because people are right. dying. But according to science, that is not going to happen. So I want yes. to, uh, that is not even going to happen until probably the beginning of the next year. So right. given the fact. And I think, right. Yeah. And I
1: think even if a vaccine is released by, let's say, November or December of this year it will not be available for the general public because you know, they have, there's a trial and error period with any vaccine.
0: Yeah. Um, We've seen
1: in the past with H1N1 with, um, you know, Ebola, you know, the vaccine takes a certain amount of time. Yeah. So I think, but you know, it's going to be a while before we return to this idea of, or return to the state that China is in right now, as I understand it, you know, um, you're because of, um, You know the 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 grip that your government has had on this virus it's you're in a much more advanced state than we are right now yeah um and it's very nerve-wracking to kind of base given you know the citizens and you know how our country behaves you know and based on you know um how how we've behaved during this virus um you know there's obviously smart people but there's obviously people who deny you know, um, basic science. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, exactly how long circumstances will be as they are, Mm -hmm. um, given what we know about our about about the United States. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, anyways,
0: uh, I want to read you the numbers. This is a prediction from university of Washington, basically saying by if people are doing what they're doing right now, uh, more than four hundred and ten thousand people will die by January first, two thousand twenty-one, and um, and if government is imposing harder measures, no, no, no. Uh, so that's the that's the University of Washington. Here's another data that has come out from IHME, which is which Donald Trump is critical about it, about this data. <clears throat> so if people are losing it basically not wearing masks uh treat the virus like it was not there there are <laughs> m- there will be approximately six hundred and twenty thousand people will die and given the fact that we're having uh, the u.s and that you given the fact that the u.s death toll hasn't even re- reached uh two hundred thousands, that that's a very disturbing number and then if people yeah. and the prediction for them is by October 1st, 2000, uh, no, by January 1st, 2021, if everyone is, if government is imposing a harder, harder lockdown uh, or national mask mandate, there will be, only 200,000 people died. But like what I said, 200,000 people still lives, that's not good. That's not what you want. But it's significantly less than 620,000 people. More than 420,000 people's lives will be saved if government is imposing a national mask mandate. So it really depends on the government now. The government is... is
1: yeah i was just gonna say um in in this country you know we haven't even just to comment on one of your points that you just made right there we haven't even seen a national mask mandate yet that hasn't happened yet you know we're um it's all up to the individual states and so just i just wanted um interject there um and and mention that you know um we're gonna see some very difficult number case numbers um you know by the way we're going right now at least until november 3rd but anyways
0: yeah so the president obviously keep pushing uh keep pushing a vaccine will be out before right. november and basically saying states needs to be ready for a vaccine distribution yes. uh but given the fact that Three of the company, uh, Moderna Pfizer, and Johnson and Johnson, they are all saying they are not gonna they're not gonna you know distribute vaccines for pro- for political purposes when a vaccine is not significantly safe for for distributions. So once again, Trump is playing something to benefit his campaign for elections and exactly that's just not responsible as a president to say well we have life like it's not responsible for president to say that because it's not safe first of all people could died for some vaccines Mm -hmm. that is not effective and because of their side effects people could died because of Mm -hmm. that so Mm -hmm. and and, people have died yeah you
1: know, and because of his, his, his lack of regard, but yes. And as people continue to die from mm-hmm. his failure of leadership, you know, that's not going to affect him personally. And he's going to see no problem with that.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so, so it's, 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 I mean, it's, you know, clear that, um, he has treated this virus as, you know, just something on the side and not a priority by any means. Um, but
0: anyways, you were saying. Yeah, so uh, this week, as we are, as what I mentioned before, it's la- everyone knows it's Labor Day's weekend. And, uh, right. you know, Labor Day's weekend, before pandemic, I picture is the last, sort of the last getaway for summer because after that we enter in school and then we really don't have enough times. And then when we have like long weekend it's probably in mid October where you cannot go to the beach anymore, but this year is so different. This last sip of summer is, it's in the middle of a pandemic. And right. people are still flushing to, uh, are still like running to beach beaches. Especially down in the south, and then we see, yes. and then we see the number is increasing in Florida, because um, because people are actually going there. They are racing to Florida to get this what I call the last sip of summer. Mm. Um, it's obviously not safe to go there right now.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and then beaches are not a place where social distancing is. Um, you can't, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, beaches in the summer especially are not conducive to social distancing and virus prevention by any means. So that's what's really scary is, um, you know, you're seeing not just, I mean, all sorts of people, you know, young, old uh, people, you know, college students, especially. There have been a lot of concerns amongst professors and um, people in higher education and just the general public, you know, people live in a community where in which a major college and university is located that, you know, students will either usually leave, you know, who have labor, don't have classes on Labor Day tomorrow will take off and, you know, act stupidly and come back and spread the virus. Yeah, exactly. And, you know,
0: and yeah. And given the fact <laughs> remember in Miami, Florida, or even in Los Angeles, San Francisco, they have good beaches there, uh, no mm-hmm. doubt, but they also have a lot of colleges over there. And I do right. want to um, read you some number here. University of Alabama, more than a thousand students tested positive there. And um, mm. think about it, if students are all going to beaches in Los Angeles and uh, Florida, which is the used to be the epic center for the summer surge, right. when they're going to yes. beaches and then they bring back to campus. Given the, uh, and keep in mind, in summer, students were not back in schools. Right. So their families could go there. So probably like five people or six people is the most. But if you as a student group, you could go to the beaches as as many as 20 people to go there. And if one person get a uh, get a virus, all of you get a virus, all 20 of you get a virus. And that's a much bigger population for it. So people were are concerned, more concerning about this. Is first the student population that goes to the beaches could be a larger group, way larger group, and second, we are entering fall, and fall, yes. especially in the New England area, or in the, or everywhere in the country except, except the south. Mm-hmm. It's the flu season, and the weather gets cold. People get cold, yes. and their immune system is actually getting weaker, so it's easier for them to catch the virus in this case. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned that it could be even worse than the summer surge right now. Yes. Uh, than Absolutely. Are
1: mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to be forced inside more. Um, and yes, colder temperatures are um, linked, usually linked with yes, with common illnesses such as the flu and colds and um that can absolutely have an effect on a virus that attacks the lungs and the immune system Mm -hmm. um so it's it's very concerning and especially since we're still living in a time and by the time fall really hits which is around october you know around october we start really noticing the change in temperature and flu season comes around in october we're really going to start it, There's a lot to be worried about because we're living in a period where there's no vaccine yet. And there's, there won't be a universally safe vaccine until I, I my prediction, my personal prediction is the spring of 21. Um, it's going to be very difficult to, um, to, to, to see a, a, a drop in cases and to see, um, you, you know, um, Conditions turning back to a, a, a normal, of, if you will. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, although less people will be going to the beaches, at least up you know in regions where it gets cooler in the fall, um, there are still many other concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what how we respond as um, as 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 a country to um, the warnings and the guidance of the CDC, which you know based on evidence from before um the majority of americans and uh, it seems like um i mean or at least a good percentage maybe not the majority have uh, disobeyed and 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 protested with the um just the you know the the idea of just wearing a mask or or, you know staying apart staying away staying in your home Mm -hmm. it'll be very interesting justin to see um what happens with um with this virus and how we respond to it As temperatures drop and we're forced inside yeah. Especially thinking about the holidays Coming up as well yeah Thanksgiving and Christmas Exactly
0: And uh, you know schools uh, Across the country there are sound safety protocols I remember I see our Old high schools uh, Lawrence Academy which is uh, One of the things that I found Very extraordinary for For the people from lawrence academies are doing is they obviously i don't think there's fall sports going on because of the pandemic so That's so they are using the uh, they're using um the entire basketball uh place to put in equipment at yeah. yeah, the gym they put all the equipment from uh from the fitness room from the weight room there to help to help students to enforce social distancing, that is a that is the move for schools to to probably take a, a, to take because it can it saves students' life and and the last things you want happened is the community spread within school because right. if a community right. uh, community spread occurred in a school, um. Students bring home, the, bring the virus home to their parents, and their parents bring the virus to their coworkers, and exactly. that's ultimately how this pandemic really starts. One person gets it, everyone around him gets it, everyone around him around him gets it. So, which is something that uh, that's that's called prevention from the from the virus. Now I want to move our topic to the econ- economic loss during sure. this pandemic. So right now the the unemployment rate is down from 10.2 to 8.4 which uh, which is which is a positive news which is back to uh, the end of the Obama administrations, almost back to um, the Obama administrations. so um, but, there are some restaurants are closed right now, which yes. is I do not wanna see the four on Boyston street and uh, no not on Boyston, on Newbury Street is closing right next to urban alphater um a lot of restaurants are closing those small business are closings so sure. I remember this week. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, yesterday, Nancy Pelosi came out and said she's not going to negotiate the new stimulus package with the, with the Republican, uh, with the Congress, with the Senate. Um, so, people are largely relies on that. And <clears throat> when I see a report this week uh, from CNN, basically saying people cannot pay their rents in Houston. And then there's a heat wave, and they're getting eviction which which makes my heart really it hurts my heart because when we are supposed to stay inside to avoid this virus to avoid to do social distancing, people are getting evicted because they cannot pay their rents because they lose their jobs, which is something that i i I think it's really heartbroken.
1: and you have to think on top of this. You see a housing discrimination and you see people losing their houses. But what if they get sick? You know, now they don't have job security. And because, you know, we don't have an, a, an agreeable, adequate system of health care, you know, these people are going to uh, struggle if they get the, if they get the virus. Yeah. So not only are you seeing housing evictions, but you're seeing, um, you know, health care loss. You're seeing a health care discrimination. And, um, you know, obviously there's been studies and there's been evidence produced throughout this pandemic that, you know, based on the statistics, this virus has hit people, black and Latino people, much harder than white people. And, I mean, obviously that is because of the, um, you know, there's obviously racial inequality uh, embedded into this virus. And, you know, you see people who, you know don't have as much opportunity as, um, you know, white people. Unfortunately, you know, they're the ones that are getting sick quicker and they're the ones that are, um, you know, losing their homes, et cetera, you know, um, because, um, you know, they don't have as nearly as much opportunity. Um, So that's obviously um, a a unfortunate but true consideration and, and true fact about this
0: pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And so right now I do want to talk about China because you know China was sure. the ground zero of coronavirus and then I do wanna mention here the US intelligence office received reports saying that Wuhan government is actually downplaying and hiding the number of coronavirus when it started back in December last year's. And I actually know that. Because some of my relatives, some of my family members actually were in Wuhan and then they gave early signs of warning saying this virus could be pretty uh, damaged to human to human and then it spreads uh, very quickly. So, um, so really the government here. So right now, as you know, China significantly controlled the virus, but there mm-hmm. are, are there are do there are some you know regional outbreak happening right now around the country. We know in we know in the west of China, uh, Xinjiang province there are, there is um, there is an outbreak there, and the earl- and the earlier this week uh, earlier, you know back in July, Beijing has a mm. resurgence. So, um, but the government is able to significantly control the virus. And Well, first, here, I'm not praising Chinese government's early handling on the virus because they lies. They cover the truth. They downplay the virus, saying it's just a... It's the same, basically, doing what Trump is doing right now, saying the virus is not... It's not that deadly. They say it's it's only like a cold. It's like a flu, but you know, it spreads fast. But the China was able to get back quickly. I remember the outbreak happens around Lunar New Year, which is around February second, February third. People stay in their house. My parents right. stay in their house. Everyone stay in their house for three weeks. Virus got in yeah. control. The economy is reopened. People going back to work, and then some places around the country, people are not wearing masks. But but not I'm I'm not recommending people not wearing masks because it's that's significantly you know, uh, help to prevent the virus. But it's just to see, people are not wearing masks and they are not getting the virus. So, you can you can see that China has significantly controlled the virus, the spread sure. of the virus. But here's the thing about travel in China, especially for international students. We cannot go back to the U.S. And quite frankly, my visa got expired, and the, the embassy is not opening right now. Uh, and the Trump administration. Made a rather shocking decision, letting European Union students going back to the U.S. and but not letting Chinese who significantly control the virus. And I do want to read right. you some numbers here. So I think on Thursday, France has more than ten thousand positive cases. So. Right. Even the EU official says there could be a potentially second waves coming right now. So and then and, and he's and now he's making those students come back instead of Chinese students. So why do you think the Trump administration is doing this right now?
1: Yeah, um, I've been thinking a lot about this actually, and I was actually just thinking about this today in preparation for this conversation. So obviously there, um, it's very clear that European Union students, students from those countries have um, returned to the United States. I know one from, actually from Curry College, um, who is from Switzerland. He's returned to the United States as of August 4th. Um, After completing his quarantine, he moved to, um, to Curry's campus. Um, and um, obviously, we're seeing, noticing that um, students on, on visas from China um, have not been able to uh, return to um, to the United States to study or for any other activities, um, because um, and even though you know, obviously, China is probably the leader right now in um, the in, 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 in um, you know the lowest number of cases. Um, um, because of how well, you know, uh, your country has handled the virus. And um, you know, um, so, so that's obviously important to, um, to think about here. And it yeah, it poses the question as to why, you know, um, Chinese students are being excluded from the United States at this time when um, the cases there are lower than many other foreign countries. And that just alone just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, So I think um, one possible explanation as to why is what I've kind of thought about is it's definitely rooted in racism. And, um, you know, we have a president who's continually only referred to the coronavirus as the China virus, the Chinese virus. You know, it was something that was brought over by the enemy, you know, and obviously, you know, it's, you can't blame any one nation for this virus because it has, you know, it just inevitably came over here, um, you know, through, 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 air travel, you know, not one person or one group, you know, kind of gave this virus to the world. It doesn't matter where it originated, you know, um, you know, that this is how viral spreads start. They start in one place and they're traced outwards. So, um, I think the reason that we're seeing this um, this behavior by the Trump administration and blocking um, Chinese students or Chinese citizens just from entering the United States is um, is, is rooted in um, you know um, in injustice and or maybe not injustice, but yeah, in, in racist behavior mm-hmm. um, because this administration wants to pick on a culture, wants to you know wants to find an enemy um to sort of justify um their fa- you know our failed handling yeah of this virus yeah and I yeah,
0: yeah and so i do want to mention like what i said it's election year and yes. trump is doing this to you know he wants to play hard to china because right. China is basically the main target right now. I remember an th- interview with Wolf Blitzer, Bill Barr was there. And then <laughs> basically he said, while there is, China has a bigger threat towards U.S. election than Russia right now, which is completely not true. Uh, we know that Russia interfere. With the u.s election back in um back in 2016 and um, but let's keep the election aside i think the trump administration is trying to find every way to play hard with china every policies that could against china they do it the uh, but my idea is first we should appreciate an, no matter what happened at the political war, people between China, citizens between China and the United States should still be in close contact. Given the fact that both citizens, both countries' citizens brought in tremendous amount of incomes towards each country's economy. For example... Mm-hmm. American tourists when go when to China goes to China go to China every year a lot of American tourists quite frankly I personally brought three Americans to China last year Mm -hmm. that could create a lot of incomes. And on the reverse side, Chinese students who travel to the US more than 1.5 million students uh, Chinese students, one of the largest. uh, International student population group in the US brought in billions and billions of dollars to the US every year, they are not allow those students entering and quite frankly, a lot of students opting out of schools taking a gap years, which means they're not going right. to pay for tuitions. And beca- because of students are not paying for their tuitions right now to those colleges, most uh, some colleges are even facing closing because uh, right. because they cannot get the international student tuitions, exp- or I'd rather say Chinese students' tuition. And Trump is keep pushing, and economy should be reopened, economy should be reopened. But one of the key... Incomes that he's blocking out, which is contradicting of what he's doing right now. This is a total contradiction right.
1: That's right. Yes.
0: Yeah, but like um, But let along the side I don't think a lot of students from China feel safe enough to go back to the US right now Yes, yeah, my right.
1: and, um, mm. uh, and personally I would I wonder why I mean, I think I um, with European EU students or students from those countries. I mean, no one beats the U S in terms of case numbers right now, but I think it's not as much of a transition for students from those countries, perhaps because, you know, Spain, for example, is, you know, has a great number of cases and is still very unsafe to travel to. So I think, um, you know, Chinese students, you make a good point coming over here right now, they would see a, a, a significant change in the way of life. And, um, you know, the, um, the culture here, um, you know, with in terms of fighting this virus, it's a totally different perspective. And um, I that's so yeah, that's a great point that you make.
0: All right. Yes. Um, so Mike, i you know, what, thanks for coming to the show today. And I wish you have a good school years. And
1: well, thank you so much, Justin. I really appreciated doing this. And um, I wish you luck with this podcast. Um, it's, it sounds like a great program. And um, yeah, um, I wish you luck. Uh, your classes start next week.
0: Yeah, yeah. My class starts on Wednesday, Excellent. actually. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, well, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Good luck with that for sure. Thank you so much, Mike. And that's Mike Templeton. We will be right back. Welcome back, I'm Justin Chen, and you're listening to Weekly Summarize. And now we see both the RNC and DNC are over for almost two weeks, which means the race between the Democrat and Republican officially began. Unlike other years, due to COVID-19, starting this week, this past week, I mean, North Carolina will be mailing out voting ballot to each individual citizen of the state and people can actually vote. This will continually happen to each uh, to some state citizens as we approach election day, even though the president and his administration is strongly opposing mailing voting and boycotting funding for postal services even in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. Meanwhile, three more presidential debate and one vice presidential debate will be happening before November 3rd. So we will have more opportunities to hear each administration laid out its politi- policies. Meanwhile, this year, also unlike other presidential years, the country is so divided and bears so many sufferings that we could have avoided early on, we know that. First, the country is facing a once in a century pandemic that has killed more than 100 And eighty thousand people, and the number of positive cases and deaths are still trending up in a quite disquieting rate. The unemployment rate is at a whopping eight point four percent. When we look around the world, countries from Eastern Asia has significantly controlled the spread of this deadly virus, and their economy is going back to normal again. Even during this unprecedented time, the country is divided on whether to take the right basic and quite frankly conspicuous actions to keep people safe almost seven months in of this global health crisis and when we look up to see guidance leadership from the president of the united states he gives out no plan to how to contain the virus how to conduct conduct mass testing or even how to take the right actions such as enforcing national mask mandating composing strategies for contact tracing and imposing harder lockdown measures. Instead, the president disobeys science, political sizes this deadly pandemic by telling people false information on every platform that he has. Examples such as injecting bleach and disinfectants into human bodies, taking unproven drugs like hydroxychloroquine, which has been proven that could potentially harm someone's who are infected with coronavirus, and telling kids should go back to school when it is not safe at all. Bear in mind, this rhetoric he made are all during White House press briefing where it was live on national TV. Everyone can receive these falsehoods from the president. Now, Twitter. The president and his son, Don Jr. has has been endorsing Houston doctor Stella Emanuel, who suggests the use of hydroxychloroquine, and claims the face mask cannot effectively stop the transmission of the coronavirus back in late July. President Sun claims the video of where these comments coming from must watch, and the president retweeted. Keep in mind, this pediatrician has been spreading unproven and honestly quite hysterical claims on the internet. She has often claimed that gynecological problems like cyst and endometriosis are in fact caused by people having sexual intercourse in their dreams with demons and witches. She suggests that alien DNA is currently used in medical treatments. In addition, she believes that scientists are stirring up a vaccine to prevent people from being religious. Meanwhile, the president endorses this doctor who made comments just cynically wrong and ridiculous instead of promoting his coronavirus task form. He publicly criticizes Dr. Anthony Fauci's comment wrong back in July. Now to the RNC. This past week, we once again witnessed the past president downplaying the seriousness of the virus on a national platform. At the final night of the RNC when President is accepting his nomination of Republican nominee and delivering his inauguration speech, almost 2,000 people are gathering on the White House lawn. Keep in mind, there's no one. There is no mask mandating on the crowd, and few people quite frankly wearing the mask. And none of those attendants are tested before attending this event. This is not only contradicting to his own CDC guidelines regarding large gathering, but also opposite of science and common sense. Now to CDC. This week, this past week, the Center of Disease Control updated its guideline on who should be tested. It says that people who have symptoms of COVID-19, people who have been in close contact with someone who confirmed COVID-19 and people have been asked to refer to get tested by their healthcare provider and local or state officials. However, the guidelines now are now claiming that people without symptom, in other words asymptomatic, may not need to be tested, even if they've been in close contact with someone known to have the virus. According to Daniel P. Oren's article that was published on ACP journal that quote, Asymptomatic symptomatic person seems to account for approximately 40% to 45% of coronavirus infections, and they can transmit the virus to others for an extended period, perhaps longer than 14 days. And when asked by a CNN reporter whether the CDC was reporting to pressure from the White House and Department of Health and Human Services, the senior official from the CDC said, quote, is coming from the top down. In addition to coronavirus, the country is suffering from racial injustice and police brutalities. For the Asian community, the president has been using exceedingly racist slurs describing coronavirus. He keeps claiming the virus China Plague, China Virus, Wuhan Virus, and Kung Flu on Twitter, rallies, the RNC, and the press briefing back in the White House. When asking about why the president addressing the country using these racist claims, the so White House press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, claiming that the president is citing the origin of the virus without any racist, you know, thoughts. The president is also claiming that he believes 100% of Asian American will agree with his use of Chinese virus to describe COVID-19. Well, that's a con, and that's a total BS. First, the claim is racist, no doubt, and we see the reality here that hate crimes against Asian Americans have been racing since the outbreak happened back in China. And I do not want to be personal here, but I have to. I personally have experienced hateful discrimination because of my race and my unintentional actions and where I come from. I was addressed by a college student in a Minneapolis club coronavirus because I cough only once back in February, and I was a nation. I was called out at Chinatown in Boston in March, get out of my country and go back to where you come from, Corona, by a middle wage white male, when I simply just walked past him. Meanwhile, the president is not only condemning, not only not condemning these racist actions and stop the use of these racial slurs. Instead, he's blaming China for letting the virus spread and saying CCP should not even let the, tri- uh, let the virus get out at first. Well, here's why China not effectively control the virus and hiding the number at the beginning of the pandemic. Last week, the US intelligence office quite frankly has received reports citing Wuhan government is hiding the virus from the CCP, and we should all condemn of the covering of these numbers. We should never downplay the virus. But Donald Trump is doing the exactly of what Chinese government doing earlier. However, the Trump administration has been offered enough time that like what I said, they have enough time to respond to the virus. According to New York Times article signing from Columbia Modeler, if the U.S. had begun imposing social distancing measures one week earlier than it did in March, about 36,000 fewer people would have died in the coronavirus outbreak, like fewer people, fewer, 36,000 people. Think about it. And here's more, you know, disturbing number. I'm quite angry. It makes me mad, these numbers. And if the country had begun locking down cities and limiting social distancing on March 1st, two weeks earlier than most people stayed, started staying home, about 83% would have been avoided deaths. And that is according to the scientists. So it is obvious here that the Trump administration is not responding immediately enough about this outbreak, which lead to what is happening right now. Now to African American community, Since May, the country is once again witnessing social injustice and police brutalities protests due to the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, and now Daniel Proulx have been happening all around the country. Instead of addressing these issues, President Trump is tear-gassing peaceful protesters to clear out a way for him to take a photo op and sending out federal troops to clear out some of the peaceful protests. Meanwhile, the president was asked about the late senator and civil rights icon John Lewis by Axio Jonathan Swan. He said, quote, I don't know John Lewis. He chose not to come to my inauguration. I never met John Lewis. Actually, I don't believe. When asked if he found Lewis life impressive, Trump said, well, he didn't come to my inauguration. He didn't come to my State of the Union speech. And that's okay. That's, That's his right. And again, nobody has done more for black Americans than I have. That's what he said. Well, in this case, I think Trump has more focused more on a late senator who is a civil rights icon, helping the African American, helping the quite quite frankly the minority has the same you know rights as white people. But he's not paying attention on that. He keeps saying that he has done more when quite frankly he's he has done nothing to the minorities. And he seems to think his State of the Union speech and inauguration speech is more important than what Lewis has done for his entire life. Well that's not true. Trump also refused to claim whether he found Lewis' personality impressive, saying, quote, I can't say one way or the other. I find a lot of people impressive. I found many people not impressive. So what does he mean here? You know. So as a result of his action, a 17-year-old male, white, Trump endorser, will claim himself as a militia and vigilantees and saying that he will protect the small business of Kenosha, drove all the way from Illinois to Kenosha and shot two peaceful protesters with an AR-15 style rifle. Before he went out, he made, I made this horrifying scene. He said that he's simply protecting the business and saying if there's somebody hurt, I'm running into harms. but really, He himself is running into to harm other people, to harm peaceful protesters. He uses his guns, shot three innocent people, which two were fatally, were died now. And he is walking on the middle of the street of Kenosha, like he is walking on a red carpet of an Oscar award ceremony, holding a rifle and shot them. Meanwhile, Trump did not condemning Kyle Rittenhouse, which is the shooter. When a country is suffering from these two major crises, it is time to do what is correct, which is condemning police brutality, brutalities, racial injustice towards African American and Asian community instead of politicalizing correct actions, making it become a partisan decision between people because, really, people are dying ultimately. However, Trump is doing the opposite. You might argue that I don't have the rights to discuss American politics right now, because I am not an American citizen. Well, I am an international student. I do not have an American green card. I do not have an American passport. But like many other international students, we pay taxes. We go to American schools. We are greatly influenced and protected by the U.S. government's policy no matter where we are. I am as similar as a U.S. citizen, except I cannot vote. Right? You gotta admit that. So, and also you might criticize me why I am still reporting fake rhetoric and conspiracy theories from the president. Well, he is the sitting president who is running for re-election. He is the sitting president that needs to be solve these problems as a president. And he is the sitting president that is also one of the two candidates that people are going to vote this year. Meanwhile, I am depressed, Like what I mentioned before. We are the press. I am the press. Here is the definition of press according to Marianne Webster. Press to account upon through steady pushing or thrusting force exerted in contact. It also means gathering and publishing or broadcasting of news. They are all connected. We supposed to give the politician, people, a little punch when they are saying something that is just absurdly not true. That is the quality of a journalist. We need to expose lies from them. Telling the truth of what they are actually doing to the people and meanwhile not forgetting praises the good things that they have done for the people. In other words, we need to be fair. And before the end of the show today, I want to leave you with a quote from CNN's Brianna Keeler, who is also my longtime mentor as a journalist. We have to challenge lies. We have to challenge falsehoods and conspiracy theories. If you don't, they faster, unchecked and unchallenged. You cannot just ignore BS. You've got to shovel it. All right. That's it for me this week. I'm Justin Chen. Once again, a special thanks to Mike Templeton joining me this week. See you. On- and next week, we'll have Claire Nini coming up to the show discussing international relationships and also coronavirus. See you next week.